We're very excited to be partnered with Naira for the rest of 2023, where we will be featuring Saturday racing coverage each week on the Players Podcast, as well as daily write-ups and analysis over at InTheMoneyPodcast.com. Also, be sure to look out for our picks on the Naira.com website under the Picks, Plays, and Promotions tab. Lastly, make sure you don't miss America's Day at the Races coverage across the Fox family of networks. For a full schedule of coverage, please visit InTheMoneyPodcast.com slash TV. Live racing continues at Monmouth Saturday and Sunday each week through September 10th. This weekend, do not miss out on the Barbecue and New Jersey Craft Beer Festival. Enjoy three days of the Shore's juiciest barbecue live music, plus nearly 50 New Jersey craft beers. And I can tell you, there are some good ones. It's just $15 for 10 two-ounce beer samples. For more information, check out monmouthpark.com. Welcome to the In The Money Players Podcast. This is our early week show for Tuesday, August 29th. I'm your host, Peter Thomas Fornital. We've got a segment a little bit later on talking about the Kentucky Downs King of the Turf contest that are happening this weekend, but we'll put a pin in that. We sort of address the, some of the bigger picture stuff going on in racing in a short show that I uh, released yesterday. We may touch on that here. We'll see where the conversation goes, but our main uh, business on this show is to do a more traditional recap of all the grade one stakes that we saw Friday and Saturday here at Saratoga. And to do that with me, we bring in the stalwart, the man who uh, co-founded the In The Money Media Network with me. You know him from his own eponymous podcast, the great work he does on Fox's America's Day at the Races, his uh, work as a, a fashion impresario. He's Jonathan Kinchin. What's up, JK? What's going on? Yeah, uh, it's it's uh, it's the, we did we did found found this thing together, didn't we? I was telling we did. someone that story recently. I don't remember who it was, but uh, yes, it's the, the it, logo. The logo is is the explanation. Maybe the best idea I ever had. Frankly, I did not design the logo. I don't have th- those skills, but the vision for the logo was mine, and I will take I will take full credit uh, for that one. Of course, now I have to wear a hat everywhere, and you can never cut your hair. But you know, hey, <laughs> we we we've made it work so far. We'll figure it out. <laughs> Let's just dive right into the Travers, my friend, and talk about Archangelo getting the job done, a 105 buyer speed figure, and we finally have a very clear leader, I would say, in the race for the best three-year-old. Were you with Archangelo in this spot? What did you think of this performance? I mean, I, I officially picked Forte, but I, I <clears throat> look, I mean, I thought Archangelo was an A horse. I, I didn't necessarily trust him just because he had gotten himself such a nice trip in the Belmont. Um, and I felt like some of the others just kind of didn't show up in the Belmont. But, you know, like I said on the broadcast the other day, it's like Archangelo is one of those horses that reminds me a little bit, and not totally, but just stay with me here, of American Pharaoh in the, in the way that, like, American Pharaoh was always getting knocked about getting good trips, but he yeah. created those good trips with who he was. And that's what Archangelo seems to do. He's, he's tactical enough to put himself in positions where he needs to be. And then when he needs that turn of foot to get out of a, of a position, he's, he's out of it. And, and uh, look, I mean, I, I think that in all fairness, it feels as if he's, is, is, is he not the leader in the clubhouse to win the Breeders' Cup Classic at this point? 
You're reading my notes here, man. You're reading my notes. My transition line was going to be, okay, we've established he's the leader in the clubhouse to be three-year-old champion. Is he your Breeders' Cup Classic favorite? Um, I'll let you answer your own question, and then I'll chime in. Yeah, I mean, I think so, right? Because White Barrio, you know, he's going to be a little bit dismissed as like that performance was a little fluky just because we hadn't seen him do that a whole bunch before. And from what I understand, we're not going to see him until the Classic. So there won't be another kind of proving ground for him. I don't think they'll make him favored. Uh, sounds like Cody's wish is going to do something different than the mile and a quarter. So we don't have to worry about him being favored. Um, and then of all the three-year-olds, obviously this one, this one, it, it seems like the leader in the clubhouse. I, now, look, I, I guess we'll learn a lot more. I guess is it next weekend? When is the Pacific Classic? I don't ever pay attention. Out there it's anymore. Labor Day weekend. Okay. Right. So, yeah. So, so, I mean, I guess there's a world in which, uh, a, a big performance from someone out there could make them the favorite. It sounds like Arabian night. Um, the, the, the talented three-year-old is going to run there. I mean, I could see him winning and running a one ten buyer and him becoming the favorite, but uh, you know, it's, it's, I would think Archangelo at least until then is the favorite for the classic. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's favorite and it's not close. Interestingly, looking at the, looking at the, just the, the current wagering in the market, five to one Archangelo second choice, go rocket ride at 10 Forte and white Abario at 12 uh, disarm at 14 um, Arabian lion listed here at 16 Cody's wish 16 uh, bigger, the bigger, the rest Some Japanese participation uh, as the numbers get bigger. Interestingly, um, yeah, Cody's wish hasn't been taken out of the betting, but you 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 seem to think he is not. Uh, it sounds like they're going to go Vosberg, and then and are we thinking they're going to cut back to the sprint? Are we thinking they're going to go mile again? What do you what are you thinking is going to happen there? You know, I, honestly, this is one of those deals where like I, we're on we're on air, and someone and I like mentioned Cody's wish, and then someone like, I don't remember if it was Lafitte or somebody said, oh, he's he's not pointing to the class. No more mile and a quarter for him. So there must have been some news. I just didn't see it. Gotcha. Um, so it just seems that he's he's uh, he's not going to to go on. The other interesting one, the, the second in the betting now, who's also looking to run in the Pacific Classic, is Go Rocket Ride, um, coming off that impressive win in 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 the Haskell. Now, granted, that form line doesn't look as good after uh, Mage did not really turn up in the Travers. Uh, but anyway, that's a storyline we'll be following, and we'll use that as the segue to Mage. Obviously not what connections were looking for. Obviously, uh, Javier Castellano made the right choice and that difficult choice of which one. This is a situation, though, where I don't blame anybody for saying, oh, don't worry about the form line and the Haskell. This just wasn't Mage who showed up. I mean, he, he just did. I mean, it was a we, 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 we maybe even overused the phrase did no running. This was a true did no running. This was too bad to be believed. I don't think you can really, you know, worry too much about this form line. What did you think of – did you see any excuse from age that I'm not seeing, and what do you think of him going forward? Well, uh, a couple things. Um, just, and just, to, just to clarify, just because I've, I've – I've, unfortunately, I've heard this 900 times on our show, is, you know, Javier didn't necessarily pick Ar- Archangelo. He just didn't pick anyone, and then they made the decision, Mage, and then made the decision for him by getting Luis Saez because they didn't want Javier to jump off at the last second and then, then get stuck with – with with a, a lower level rider so it was he didn't really pick he they kind of picked for him but the thing i will say is is i actually ran into ramiro the other night and you know look when you're really close to a situation you know you're 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 you know sometimes you can 
correctly or incorrectly look too deep into things, but I, I trust his 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 uh, his his initial thought was that that they have been really training him to to kind of kind of be more grindy and to be in the race and to be involved and to be forward and and that he felt like maybe Flavian just saw his best race in the derby and decided that's the best way to run him, which is drop anchor and make one run. And uh, Ramiro feels that, that, that Mage is actually, that's not his best style, especially what they've been trying to like work with him on the morning. So if, if you want to buy that story, then I guess there is an, an argument to be made that, that, that ridden differently, he will perform better. And I think we'll have an opportunity to figure that out. But I also am one of the people too that that realizes that Mage's best performance came with a huge setup, and and that's okay because setups happen in racing. But I think that's important to note moving forward. Yeah, where do you think he'll go next? Did you get any indication? Uh, uh, I was going to say, did you get any indication on or off the record from Mario? But obviously, we don't want you to uh, say something that he didn't want said. But just as a horse player, what's your guess to where we'll see Mage next? No, I mean, he, I didn't. I didn't hear. I mean, I would imagine that. You know, I, I mean, I, I guess the Pennsylvania Derby situation is a conversation that they'll have. Um, maybe, uh, you know, maybe he'll he'll you know show up at, at Keeneland and, and and you know some sort of a prep race there, or 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 uh, you know maybe the Foster, or, you know, one of those types of things leading up. I, I mean, I have no idea. They had they didn't say, but I mean, I think you persevere with him as long as he's healthy and. And 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 doing well, I think you, you you continue to kind of give him another couple shots here. Not to be a dick, <laughs> but what race were you thinking of when you said Foster? Oh, I meant the that's not not, not the Foster because the Foster is what in the spring. Foster's in June. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was thinking the Clark, but that's okay. that's is that that's before the Derby? That's after Breeders' Cup, right? That's yeah, that's after Breeders' Cup. So yeah, I, I was trying to think of what the what the what the two turn classic prep is in Kentucky. And that's my brain was going blank on what it is. Like, what is the Keeneland? What's the prep for the classic in Keeneland? Is there, is it the Ben Ali or is that, but that's. Well, that's the spring too. Um, it's, yeah. uh, I don't think they really have a proper classic prep in, in Kentucky, honestly. Okay. Well, that's to see. Then that's, uh, they, they need one. So, <laughs> <laughs> the last thing we need is more of these regional preps, in truth. We got the, they are the recipe. They are the recipe for the short, uh, for the short fields. I'd love to see them run in uh, run, run in New York again, but we'll see what they decide to do. He's in great hands, and you know, obviously, whatever they decide, he's a he was a really cool story, great Derby winning performance, setup or no, and we'll see what happens. What about the rest of them? Certainly, having the uh, second and third slots filled in by big long shots. Disarm, though, I did pick him. You know, was a twelve to one, and then tap a trice in there at thirteen to one. Where does that leave the other uh, the other seemingly key contenders coming into the race for? and national treasure you picked forte you said what, what did you think about his trip um you know i thought it was look i mean i mean i i the best rider in, in the world but man it was that was a very curious ride he he had that inside position early and then going into the first turn he let archangelo in that spot that he 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 was he was he broke in front of archangelo he was the one and how archangelo got into that spot and got into the pocket with it was was kind of interesting. Then he kind of took him back and and then and then he did that thing around like the half mile pole going into the turn where he tried to like take back and go around. 
and he he did. He took back, went around, and made a made a nice little menacing move at like the three eighths pole to to about the quarter pole. It looked like oh, there was just going to be a race, and then he just flattened out. I I um, I don't know. I, I I would imagine Irad feels like he probably would like to take back a couple of decisions within that race. So you know, I'll give Forte another shot. I've got no problem there. But this arm, I think, is sneaky moving forward. He seems to really be progressing. Steve Asmussen's always felt like this horse was going to get better as he got older. And, uh, I mean, he had a little bit of trouble. I don't think he was winning the race even without that trouble at the top of the stretch. But, nonetheless, he ran extremely well, and he, he's a sneaky horse moving forward. Took him a minute to get out for sure and was obviously doing his best work late. Only 14-1 to 1 for the Classic. You know, make it – he's a horse that I thought might get completely ignored in a market like that. And if you were showing me 25-30, I'd be buying on Tassarm. I'm, I'm with you that he's that, that he's an interesting horse. You want to talk about strange things that happened. Is it me or did Johnny Velasquez grab on National Treasure early in the race? Did I miss something there? What? Why, why yeah, wasn't he on the lead? I don't know. I mean, I, it was one of those deals like on TV. Like I like I like said like how how I said like how certain I was that National Treasure would be on the lead in front of Scotland because that's how Bob Baffert and Johnny Velasquez and that's how his horses are ridden and you know that's how they run in races, especially a horse like that who wired a field in the Preakness. And it just seemed like there was no intent to put him on the front end, which I thought was interesting. Yeah, very, very strange tactics. And you might see some being able to reverse form out of there. Those three other fancied runners who didn't hit the board. I think JK makes interesting cases why each of them could be heard from, seen to better effect late. Let's talk about one of the weirder races of the weekend for me. Uh, Bolshoi Ballet winning the Sword Dancer in a race where I was monitoring the UK betting, JK. And there's never been a horse more dead on the board than Stone Age was on the betting exchanges coming into this. Bolshoi Ballet was actually shorter. And then you see the tactics, which if you take away the names and the resumes, you would have said, and maybe he was, Stone Age looked like a pace setter for Bolshoi Ballet. I mean, hey, I picked Bolshoi Ballet, so no sour grapes here. And this was a huge run, a 107 buyer speed figure, but... But very bizarre and, and definitely a race that people who believe in uh, coupled entries might use as a data point going forward. Look, I, I mean, you know, I mean, I don't think there was any connection between the two. I mean, Chad was pretty high on Stone Age's ability. He, he um, had actually been there. I think I, was, I would just happened to be there twice in the morning when he worked Stone Age. And he'd have to send Stone Age by himself because Stone Age is as studdish as they come. And he is just a big old head case. And it was this big project to try to get him to, to uh, kind of relax a little bit. And he just didn't really do that in the race. And he, uh, and, you know, it showed late. He just tired. He was off a long layoff too. So, I mean, I think you can give him another chance. I think Chad thinks the horse is talented. And obviously he's shown some talent, but look, I, I, I didn't need Bolshoi, ba- Bolshoi Ballet at all just because, you know, I just, just off the pacemaker situation in hindsight, it was a really bad race. And so I think that, you know, the, the, the turf horses that we, you know, turned out were glorified allowance types, you know, and, and so there, there should have made a, a ton of sense that the Bolshoi Ballet would have won. But like, I think even like Lafitte asked me, like, do you think this horse is, is a, is a contender now for the, for the Breeders' Cup turf? And I was like, no. No. And, and in fact, the rest of the world is booking their flight 
to bring their good grade one turf horses to win a $5 million race or $4 million race as soon as possible, knowing that that's what we have to offer is what we saw in the grade one sword dancer on Saturday. Bolshoi Ballet currently 10 to one. I mean, I hear what you're saying about it being a bad race, but the, the speed figure suggests otherwise. I've only seen the one, I've only seen the buyer, but I mean, that's a serious buyer. And this is a horse who's much, much better Bolshoi than he was. You know, I made the case on the show, much, much better on form than he was the last time he was in the U S and the last race might as well not even appear in the, in the PPs. This is still a, a progressive horse for connections that can win. I, I think Bolshoi can win. I certainly don't think anything U.S. based can uh, can get the job done in the spot. Interestingly, and this might just be an anomaly, but it is interesting to note that Equinox is actually listed in the betting for the Breeders' Cup turf. That's the Japanese horse who's, you know, the highest rated horse in the world right now. That would be something to see him. Most Adaf, who uh, Vanessa Ryle and I spoke about at great length on Horse Player Happy Hour that you can watch on Thursday, we did a pre-tape on that. She was pretty high on his chances, thinking he was coming over. He's there at four. So it's interesting. It's, it's There's a lot more to be determined, but I don't mind you dismissing my conspiracy theory out of hand, JK. I just, I really did think it was some of the strangest betting I've ever seen. But maybe that had to do with a horse. Maybe you said he's a studdish type. Maybe he'd been acting particularly naughty and they knew off the layoff he was going to be, you know, he just wasn't to, wasn't to be trusted. I still think two to one, even on the tote very much, uh, you know, on paper, I feel like the horse was six to five at least, but anyway, uh, in the end, Bolshoi Ballet gets the job done. And I know a lot of listeners rode in with me on that one. So that's, uh, that's good stuff. We'll take it. Let's go back to some other grade one action. Um, next up, we'll talk about the ballerina and echo Zulu winning with a one twelve buyer speed figure. You were early on predicting this massive run we've seen this year from Echo Zulu. Uh, I mean, I assume just all systems go, and I assume this was a very good result from you from a wagering point of view. Well, I mean, well, I mean, I mean, yes, I mean, it was a single, but the, but the, but the, you know, the pick six, I think like many people's pick six and and obviously not, not the most important thing, uh, but the pick six was ended um, in the, uh, in the Allen Jerkins for me. So, um, you know, she's she's pretty damn good, and she hinted that when she ran earlier in the meet with that fast speed figure, and she came back and she did it again. But not only did she do it, she did it where she had a champion lap to her outside the entire way around yeah. there, right? Um, what a great race that Olive ran, by the way. She ran she ran the best race that she's ever run. She ran a she ran a one hundred eight buyer, if I'm not mistaken, and uh, and 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 look, I think Echo Zulu is special. And I think that she deserves to be the favorite for the Philly Mare Sprint. But I think that race might play a little bit differently than what we saw on Saturday because Goodnight Olive won't have to won't have to do what she did last time in the Breeders' Cup Philly Mare Sprint. Someone will go with Echo Zulu early. And even if someone doesn't go with Echo Zulu early, someone will run at Echo Zulu earlier at the three eighth pole at least or you know the or at the quarter pole that then makes good night all of not have to do the dirty work to keep her honest and so i mean i'm not going to be cutting in line to bet good night all of i'm just simply saying that that she's going to have a more favorable setup come november 
once again, reading from my notes, I feel like in terms of the future, I mean, these are, it's like one and one A, the ones you want out of the race. And I would probably give, I'll definitely give the advantage to Goodnight Olive because she's going to be a bigger price. And like you said, she had to do all her own dirty work and absolutely ran an incredible race and should get a much better setup come Breeders' Cup time. So it'll be interesting to see how that plays out. Let's see if I can find a quick market for that race. That's one of the races where you don't always, and in fact, we don't have a market this early for, but obviously uh, the, the, that's a rematch and a rivalry that we haven't seen the last of. Let's talk about the forego. Uh, Gunite turns the tables on Elite Power. Pretty straightforward. This seemed like a, a, a tactical affair. Both horses ran great. Credit to Tyler Gaffleone for taking advantage of the the pace and getting the job done at a slightly better price than, than his main market rival. This is another one that I think uh, we're going to get to see these two tangle again. Anything really to add on the forego? No, I mean, look, I, I think elite power didn't really lose anything in defeat, but that's what happens when you have his running style. And it's been impressive that he was able to, to win as many races as he did consecutively and not get himself into that situation. But gun pretty damn good. And he's kind of proven that, consistently he's just kind of shown up and run and shown up and run and and like we talked about in the preview show you know in the last start in the Vanderbilt for whatever reason on the backside Tyler had to use him to keep him interested I don't know if it was the racetrack and that to me was the difference that cost him and in this situation he didn't have to do that he just got to ride the horse and 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 was comfortable on the front end and and Gunite another one who's 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 sensational, really good horse. And um, man, it was one hell of a day for Gunrunner and, uh, and, and Winchell Thoroughbreds, right? I mean, you win with Echo Zulu, you win with, uh, with Gunite, and then you run second with Disarm. Uh, not yeah. that Gunrunner, Gunrunner needed uh, an, another boost uh, in his career as a stallion, but shit, man, that was impressive. <laughs> it's all systems go as far as that one goes. We'll talk about the Jerkins. Um, one in Vermilion gets the job done with the hundred buyer speed figure after the, the terrible breakdown. Again, we did a whole, I did a whole 25 minute show on that. If you want to get into my thoughts on it, JK, did you have anything you wanted to add about this race or is it a case of at this stage, the less said about it, the better? Yeah, no, I mean, I don't, you know, there's really, it's, 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 uh, it's, it's, you know, it's just, a. It's a terrible thing. It's 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 unfortunate, especially just in the way that we've we've had to experience it the last two times. I mean, when it happens in the morning on the backside, it's devastating and it's sad, but it's not right in front of your face, you know. And 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 um, and, and that's that's been the tough part that I think we've we've had to 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 try to figure out. And and I'm and I'm hopeful that. You know, a lot of times with tragedy comes conversation that leads to, you know, change and, and, and fixing things. And I don't think there's some magic potion as to like, oh, it's gotten worse. I mean, we've seen we've it's just it's just in front of our face. And it's reminded us that it, it's something that we have to continue to look into and continue to, to try to, to to analyze and find ways to improve um those circumstances, you know, that, that situation and improve, you know, you know, and improve our ability to prevent those things from happening. So, um, yeah, it's just, it's, it's the only thing I'll national, push back on, the only thing I'll push and, back on is the statistics very much say it's gotten worse. And, and I do think that with recent changes, whether they're the HISA rules or what's going on with Lasix 
or decisions to run on turf courses that previously they wouldn't have run on. I do think there's a lot for, not to point any specific fingers, but there's a lot at every level from breeding on down that I do think this is a time to really maybe take more of a step back than usual and, and try to examine this stuff. Cause it's not, it's not as simple as, Oh, this, this always happened. And it's just in front of the grandstand. Now it's, I, it's, it's way more complicated than that, in my opinion. And it's beyond what you could call a coincidence. No, I, 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 I don't disagree with that. I mean, obviously, you know, I'm talking to some horsemen and, and their, their feelings and uh, about a lot of the, of the, of the things that, you know, that have happened. I, I think that, that uh, it definitely is something that needs to be looked into. Um, I don't, I don't want it. To, I don't really think I'm dismissing it as like a, as a coincidence. I think that it's, it's, um, but, but damn, like the, 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 the nature in which it happened twice, this meet is, is shocking. You know, it's yeah. shocking and, and unfortunate and, and, you know, it makes, it makes, it makes a, it makes a horrible thing that much worse. It's well put. And human beings don't like multifactorial situations. We as horse players probably have a better grasp than most of trying to address things that happen that have many factors that cause them. But it's very, very hard. Even horse players, they want to say, oh, he won because it was blinkers. Or, he lost because the trainer had this stat or whatever. And, you know, that's silly. It's 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 a whole big pie of things that create the results that we see on the racetrack for good, for bad, for ugly. And there's no doubt that even though I just said this isn't just coincidence, and I firmly believe that, there's no doubt that one of the many factors in here is just the most horrendous luck in the world. So I definitely agree. I definitely agree with that. But it's just, you know, as we talked about on the other show, there, there, there's a lot more in the stew. Yeah. I think the stew, I mean, stew's better than pie for that analogy. Yeah, I mean, look, I mean, like, it, well, it, it, yeah, I think the point that I'm trying to, that I was trying to make, and, and it's obviously such a sensitive topic, I don't want to sound like, you know, like I don't, like cruel or whatever, but it's like, <laughs> like, it's, I'm just saying that it is, it is significantly harder to digest and it's significantly more of a, of a, uh, kind of like not a wow factor. That's not the right word, but like a little bit more shocking. The fact that it is two undefeated horses in grade one races that were about to win it, yep. that was in, in, at the wire is that it doesn't, it's, it doesn't make it it doesn't make that when it happens on the backside and on a gallop out when no one sees it, it doesn't make that any different. They both are horrible, but man, you, 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 you have to recognize that one of them is, was, is presented in a much more shocking way. Um, the way that it happened with Maple Leaf Mel and uh, with New York Thunder, New York Thunder. Yeah. And it does also raise quite that, that the fact that it is these incredibly brilliant undefeated young horses does make you, want to take a look at the breed maybe uh, a, a little bit too. I mean, there's no, there's no more bigger picture um, factor factor than that. There, there's a lot that goes into it. It's more questions than answers. And, you know, it's a story obviously in terms of what the industry's reaction to it is we're going to, we're going to continue to, to follow here. As far as this, as a horse race, I really don't have anything to say, honestly. No. I, I don't think we have horses. No, I mean, I, look, I, I think the, the, you know, the, 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 the one thing I'll take away from it is, is, and it's, and it's, and it's, it's not really, you know, 
it's obviously not a helpful thing moving forward, but I, I was shocked how New York Thunder put those other horses away. Good horses, like in, in an Arabian Lion. Um, and just, I mean, just, it was, that was, it was, it was impressive. RIP New York Thunder. That's, that's a takeaway for sure. All right, let's talk about the grade one action that we saw at Saratoga on Friday. The personal ensign, where Idiomatic took advantage of the pace and under Florent Giroux, notched a 101 buyer speed figure. Nest, um, not able to, to make much of a dent. And in the end, it's her old rival, Secret Oath, that comes and claims the exacta. Wait, what did you think of this? Is this just circumstance for Idiomatic, or is this a major player in the division? And now what do we do with these others going forward? Oh, you know, um, I kind of overlooked. Ness had some big fast numbers. Uh, last year, but then she's also just kind of been like a high nineties type. And I don't know, maybe she's just a high nineties type. I I can't believe the way that she turned away Clarier in the previous race, that she's not as good as I think she is because Clarier is good. And I believe that she's good too. I think it was circumstantial. I think it was a little bit of the racetrack and I think idiomatic is pretty good. I don't, I, I don't, I don't believe that idiomatic is, is the leader in the clubhouse for as far as a distaff. Division is is concerned, but let, let's just see what happens. I'm going to give Nest another try, but I will say this: if she kind of runs another mid ninety clunker, um, then then I have no problem jumping ship. Seven to two for the distaff right now is Nest. Idiomatic in behind at four. Clarier ten to one. What do you do with Clarier here? Well, that wasn't pretty. No, but she's circumstantial. Like you know what I mean? Like I I I, I don't really have a problem with she. You know, you get her the right setup, she can win any race that she's in. You give her the wrong setup, she can get beat. And that's, you know, she just needs things that kind of go a little bit more her way. Not a whole lot her way, just a little bit more her way. Like, for instance, if they run her in the Bell Dame, which, I mean, I don't know unless they run in, unless they run in the Spinster or something like that, but if they run her, like, in the Bell Dame at Belmont, she'll win. You know, that's her, that's kind of her deal, That you know, that um, the way that track's configured. So we'll see what's, what they do with her. What else was going on with you uh, this weekend? Was it a was it a busy Travers? Did you did you get to have some fun despite the the dark clouds that were out there? Yeah, it was uh, it was Jovanita's dad's birthday on Travers Day, so we we uh, it was, it was we didn't, I think we got home at three thirty. We we went to um, a couple of friends had a had a had a had a house party. We went by there, and then we went to the restaurant, hung out for a little bit out front, and then we went to the clubhouse and hung out and just, and, and next thing you know, you looked up and it was, it was late. So how was the fish show? How did that go? It was good. It was good. It's, I, <laughs> I don't care. I'm saying it on air or whatever. The, uh, like, so the way that I described it is that it's like the, it's like the other white people's house music. <laughs> right. Like, yes. Like there's it's, a groove. There's I. I'm feeling yeah. it. Yeah. It's like it's it's like it's just like like house music is that like, it's like these it's like these builds and these like these builds and then these drops and then they and then they play a song that you love and then you get hype about the song and then they then they take the song from you then they give it back and then they take you to another song and it's just like journey this long journey of just like whatever and like and like that's what it was the problem is I don't know any of the songs so. I enjoyed it, but I didn't get to enjoy it as much as like, you know, like, of course, I think she's been to 40. I think she went to 40. She's been to 40 
shows. Um, That's more than I went to Grateful Dead shows. That's impressive. Yeah, and so like, yeah, no, it was cool though. It was fun. I I, I got it. I I I understood it. Is is how I, you know, when people keep asking me, how was it? How was it? Like, I a hundred percent get it. It makes sense to me. It's just not necessarily like, you know, fully my thing, but. You know, quite quite literally happy. not your jam for the for this jam band. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's good. I did want to get that report. And my offer to complete your transformation to a middle-aged white man by lending you a Wilco record is still out there. That, that That's a standing offer. You just let me know. It sounds good. JK, appreciate you coming on here today. We've got uh, Brian Skirka in the green room to talk about this upcoming king of the turf contest. And we'll get to him right after this. I've been really enjoying hosting the Baby Talk episodes this summer, sponsored by our friends at Gainsway. Gainsway stands up and coming stallion McKinsey. McKinsey produced 16 six-figure first crop weanlings, the most of any first crop sire, with a $135,000 weanling average. At Keeneland January, McKinsey produced the two highest-priced first crop yearlings at $250,000 and $220,000, well above the sales average. Additionally, at Phasing Tipped in February, McKinsey had the highest-priced first crop yearling at $200,000. Don't miss out on your opportunity to learn more about this stallion. For more information, visit Gainsway.com. Up next, as promised, we have a returning guest. He's usually here to talk about all things related to Monmouth Park, and Monmouth do have a couple of weekends left of racing this season. But he's here today to talk about one of the most anticipated meets of the year. Kentucky Downs opens this Thursday, and there is a really interesting, I don't want to say new wrinkle because it's been going for a couple of years now, but a really interesting contest that he'll be talking about. I am speaking of Brian Skirka. Brian, how are you? Pete, I am phenomenal. How are you? Phenomenal. I like to hear that. I like to hear that. We need we need the energy pickup around here. It's been a long meet up north. I'm very much looking forward to heading on a trip down to Nashville from where it's an easy jaunt to get to Kentucky Downs. How many years has this uh, King of the Turf contest been going on? And, and what can you give us in terms of an overview of what we can expect this meet at Kentucky Downs? Sure. I, I think this is year four. It's either three or four. All the years go go by so quickly. But I think this is the fourth year that we've done it. Um, knock on wood, the contest has grown every year. Um, Ted Nicholson, the, the GM down there at, at Kentucky Downs, and Carter Carnegie, who, who works you know together along with the rest of their team, works very hard to put on a great meet. They reached out to me. I feel like it was during COVID, maybe like that second year of COVID, and they wanted to, to bring back a handicapping contest to Kentucky Downs. I think I think maybe 10 or so years ago they did one on site and it, it was just difficult to do because it's of the location of Kentucky Downs and everyone would basically have to ship in to play in the contest. So they had an idea to do an online only contest, which these are, and they didn't want to just do one contest. They wanted to do multiple to take advantage of their unique short meet. They run seven days this year, if I'm not mistaken. And um they they actually started off wanting to do a contest every day of the season which uh, w- would have been interesting but it, it would be for a tournament director that would have been a bit of a, a challenge so we kind of met in the middle so now we do three one-day contests uh which are which start thursday as you said so they, it's opening day thursday august 31st the second contest is sunday september 3rd and then the final contest is their, their really big day. Every day Kentucky Downs is a big day, but their really big day, Saturday, 
September 9th is the third and final contest. And it's a very unique uh, layout. There are three totally individual contests where each is a standalone contest with standalone prizes. But then the kind of hook is they all get linked together in this king of the turf um, scenario where if you play in all three, you're eligible for this this bonus prize, which goes to the person with the highest three tournament cumulative total. That person is named King of the Turf Champ. They get a BCBC seat. And maybe even more prized is they get this WWE-style championship King of the Turf belt that they get to rub in everyone's face and is presented to them at the NHC Awards dinner. Um, and that that has proved you know just as popular, if not more popular, than than any of the other prizes. That that championship belt to say, "Hey, I'm king of the turf." That's awesome. Now around here, we're going to say AEW style championship belt, but yes, it's it's really uh, it's really one in the same, and it's it's a very fun, really fun thing that that's there. So tell us about the format of each contest and the, the let's rerun what the bankrolls for each one are. And then of course we got to talk about where people can sign up. Yep. So we kept everything very similar, almost exactly the same as last year. Last year proved to be very popular and I'm a big believer in if something is popular, why change it? Um, so we kept the bankrolls relatively light. I'm also a big believer in that. I don't want to scare anyone away through big bankrolls or big buy-ins. So Thursday's contest is a $400 buy-in, and then the Sunday contest, the second contest is $500, and the Saturday contest next week is $800. So to play in all three, it's $1,700, which you know, I, I get is nothing to sneeze at, but it's not a, a monstrous, scary number to, to most contest players. The, the formats of all three contests are exactly the same. Obviously, the numbers change on the buy-in, so... Half of your half of your buy-in goes to your bankroll. So, for example, the Thursday contest, as I said, is a four hundred dollar buy-in. So, two hundred of that goes to the prize pool. Two hundred goes to your bankroll. You have to bet at least five races. It's all Kentucky Downs only. Every contest is Kentucky Downs only. So, for Thursday, you have to bet a minimum of five Kentucky Downs races at a minimum of forty dollars a piece. That's your two hundred dollar bankroll. Obviously, you can bet more races. You can bet more than forty dollars. And it's win, play, show, exact, double only. So every, every contest is that format. You know, we, we look ahead to the Sunday contest. That's a $500 buy-in, as I said. So your bankroll is 250 So you have to bet five races at 50 apiece. And then next Saturday, that third contest is $800 buy-in. So your bankroll is 400 You have to bet five races at 80 apiece. But it's win, play, show, exact, double for all of them. Kentucky Downs only. And what's the best way to sign up? That's a key piece of info to get out there. Yep, that's important. So these contests are online only. So you, you can physically be at Kentucky Downs. You just have to make all your bets on your phone or, or tab, tablet or iPad or whatever. So it's uh, TVG or 4NJ Bets, which is the New Jersey leg of, of TVG. It's Express Bet and it's HPI if you're in Canada. So those are the only three ways to play Express Bet, TVG slash 4NJ Bets and HPI. If you're playing through TVG, 4NJ Bets, or HPI, you have to be pre-registered by the day before. So for this Thursday contest, for example, when, or, uh, yeah, Wednesday at 3 p.m. Eastern, you have to be pre-registered. If you're playing through TVG, 4NJ Bets, or HPI, you can do that by contacting me at bskirka at mammothpark.com. The TVG and Express, or, uh, excuse me, TVG and HPI do not have a way to sign up directly through them. So you have to contact me to pre-register. 
And then if you're playing express bet, you can either register through me if you want and pay credit card, or the easiest thing is just sign up directly through express bet and you can, they'll take the money right out of your account. You can do that right up until uh, post time for race one on Thursday, at Kentucky downs. If you're playing express bet. In terms of the players who've had success in this format, is it the familiar names who seem to always be at the top of leaderboards? Are there really turf specialists who are some of the players you're keeping an extra eye on at this year's uh, King of the Turf contest at Kentucky Downs? Yeah, it, it really is is a crapshoot. It, it, it's not, you know, in, in the three or four years that we've done this, uh, it's been it's been different names every year. Um, Christy Moore was very close to winning the overall. She won one of the contests one year and, and was very close to uh, winning the overall title, which would have been uh, very exciting to have a, a woman be king of the turf. I know she was very hopeful <laughs> to be able to do that. Up. Yes, queen of the turf. That, that was, I was trying to think of the, the phrase that we were going to use, but yes, queen of the turf. Um, so she was very close one year. Um, but but it's, it's, it's a lot of the, you know, you'll see on the leaderboard a lot of the names that you're, you're accustomed to, but uh, it certainly is. There are, you know, being, being as you said, the, the Mammoth Park, I do all the contests here, obviously, and we get a lot of the, the tri-state area people because obviously of our logistics. So for, for me personally, it's good to see some new names and deal with some new people, you know, some of the Kentucky people and, and those that, that might not participate in Mammoth contests. So it's, uh, it's been a, a very good experience to kind of meet some new people and hopefully introduce them to, to contests. And just, you know, as a, as a big believer in contests as a whole, um, you know, the more tracks, in my opinion, that can be doing contests and, and the more people that can get involved at relatively low bankrolls uh, is a good thing. So I'm, I'm very happy to be a part of it. You know, I've been a big supporter of that. The thrill that you get watching your name on the leaderboard, something that is worth more than money in a lot of instances. It's a, it's a really fun way to play the game. And I think in the difficult wagering environment that we face today, one of the, the, the great ways to sort of not be knocking heads against uh, in, the, in the paramutual pools, still support the game through the paramutual pools and have an amazing experience. And I imagine because of some of the, the intricacies of Kentucky Downs racing, this one, I, I, my theory would be it gives your sort of, for lack of a better word, um, average horse player a little bit more of a chance to beat what I might call the leverage type players. A leverage type player, they're looking to go all in, maybe on a shorter priced horse, and you don't necessarily have that opportunity at Kentucky Downs, it feels like, now granted, the trifectas, for understandable reasons with how much they can pay at Kentucky Downs, not in the game, but even just to be able to hit a really nice exacta could give you a chance to really juice up your score. And the fact that, in a way, bottoming out is discouraged by the interconnected nature of the highest cumulative bankroll of the three, it just feels like one to me where the, the, a horse player who can't totally treat it as funny money has an opportunity to nail a really big prize. No, I, I agree. And, and the next point I was going to say is, is the one thing you, you don't have to worry about at Kentucky Downs is, you know, th there aren't going to be any six horse fields with two to five favorites <laughs> in, in, in these contest races. Um, you know, I, I have nothing to do with the Kentucky Downs racing office, but I'm going to go out on a limb and say that there will not be, you know, very, very short fields there. Um, so, so to your point that, that I a hundred percent agree with you. Maybe in some contests where there are, you know, short fields with heavy favorites, 
you know, so, someone who has the ability to do, you know, a thousand dollar double or something linking together two favorites. Um, you know, me personally, speaking for myself, me personally, you know, I would never bet a thousand dollar double. So I'm going to be at a disadvantage. But at Kentucky Downs, you know, you can hit a five dollar exacta and have it pay the same thing as a thousand dollar double in these short field races. So I, I agree 100 percent. You know, it, it's not easy, you know, in a 12 horse overflow turf field where the track has different configurations. You know, it's not it's harder to pick winners at Kentucky Downs, I would think, than in, you know, short fields elsewhere. But if you do, you're, you're going to get handsomely, handsomely rewarded. And I think that's what makes these contests very exciting, too. It's, it's more of a handicapping challenge than who has the you're biggest, you, you know what, to, you know, make the biggest bet. Yep. Real quick, how many are you expecting? And maybe just recap that prize pool for us and we'll let you get out of here. Sure. So all of the prize pools are based on 150 entries. Uh, I'm very hopeful that that is is lowballing it. Um, so just real quick to run through Thursday, based on 150 entries, the top three get NHC seats, cash one through 10. Sunday's contest this week, uh, based on 150, there's one BCBC seat, two NHC seats, and cash to the top 10. And then next Saturday's contest is two BCBC seats, three NHC seats, cash to the top 10. That's all, again, based on 150 entries. Last year, in order, we got 257 entries, 212 entries, and 171 entries. So I'm, I'm very hopeful that 150 is just a low ball estimate, and we'll, we'll add from there. That's fantastic. Good stuff, Brian. Always enjoy having you on the airwaves, and we'll be talking soon. Sam, Pete, enjoy Kentucky Downs. We'll be back right after this. Get tied on for another record fan duel meet at Kentucky Downs, August 31st, September 2nd, 3rd, 7th, 9th, 10th, and 13th in Franklin, Kentucky, just off exit two off I-65. Thanks to the KTDF, the Kentucky Thoroughbred Development Fund, Kentucky Downs pays some of the biggest purses on the planet, including the world's highest maiden races at $150,000 for Kentucky breads. The meet features 11 stakes worth at least $1 million while offering the largest fields and best jockeys and trainers. Reserve seats are on sale now at themintkentuckydowns.com with free admission and tailgating options. There's Unique and there's Kentucky Downs. We have to give our Adelphi performance of the week. I'm tempted to give it to a human being this weekend in the form of Christophe Clement and the fantastic work he did on the New York bread day, but we'll give it to a specific horse. Drake's passage. So impressive in the Albany looking like one who might have a chance to run against the open company. And of course, Christophe Clement talking of him, one of the main trainers for our friends at Adelphi racing club really enjoyed the experience, even though it didn't work out the way we wanted with Jem Min 10 the other day a race where I think he'll come back and do a lot better than that. Maybe back a little bit too quick. It seemed kind of went out like a light, but these things happen. And I have to say the communication from the Adelphi team was absolutely fantastic. Uh, and just to be there in the paddock for a Saratoga race, really, really thrilling. We're going to do more with Adelphi in the upcoming months. And this week's Adelphi horse of the week, Drake's passage by tonalist getting that 90 buyer speed figure in the Albany for trainer, Christophe Clement with Manny Franco aboard Drake's Passage. You are our Adelphi Racing Performer of the Week. And to learn much more about Adelphi Racing, go to AdelphiRacing.com. That's just going to do it. Just going to about do it for this week's show. want to thank everybody for uh, appearing in terms of uh, JK and Brian Skirka. 
our founding partners, 10 Strike Racing and the Thoroughbred Retirement Foundation. Again, I'm going to be leaving Saratoga soon. So if you want to get in on some of these last bottles of the In the Money whiskey, now's the time to make a $200 donation over at trfinc.org players to get that special gift. Four-year-old rye aged an additional four months in apple brandy barrels. Came out really nice. It's really been a, a crowd pleaser. So something uh, I definitely suggest you check out, and you can do so by giving generously to our sponsors. Great seeing uh, Clay and Marshall and some of the end, other 10-strike partners. I guess they're going to have some representation up here this week as well. Around here, we always love to root for the purple and black. Most of all, though, I want to thank all of you, the listeners, for making these shows so much fun to do. This show's been a production of In The Money Media. I'm Peter Thomas Fornital. May you win all your photos.